welcome to worship this morning. I guess many people are still struggling to make that adjustment in time. That's all right. That's the reason we broadcast too. So, but those of you who were faithful and woke up, I mean, I had a real experience this morning. Every phone that I've had before this one didn't adjust until you turned it off and turned it back on. So I set the alarm for 5 a.m. Well, this one automatically adjusts. So mine went off. Mine went off at 5 a.m. this morning. So I got even an additional hour of waking time. So, <sighs> welcome to King of Kings. Do we have any first-time visitors so bold as to sh to identify themselves? Uh, we have a pamphlet that we give out that just explains who we are and what we do. Um, next Friday dance is on the 17th, food at 5, music at 6. Easter lily forms are now in the bulletin. So if you would like to sponsor Easter flowers, the form is in the bulletin. The deadline is on March 28th, which is a Tuesday. We have an online QR code that's available on the inside. If you want to make your donations, you're giving through your smartphone. You can do it that way. Uh, music jams are Saturday at 1 p.m. 2023 sign-up books for readers and ushers. If you would like to read or ush and help with worship, let us know. You can sign up. Next mobile pantry is on April 13th at 3 o'clock. Second Friday of the month is a country music dinner dance at f Food at 5, Dance at 6. On the third Sunday of each month, there'll be a covered ditch social in Kyle Hall after the service. So that would be next week. Our next yard sale is next Saturday, March 18th. If you'd like to uh, help out or get a table, contact the office. Um, and also, there's an area of th like four sticks right out in the yard out there with some caution tape around that. That is a turtle nest. Now I had inquired and I think it was Larry came up with the answer that Turtles' eggs germinate for 19 to 20 days. So it was two weeks ago on Sunday that the turtle laid those eggs. So sometime, according to what Larry told me, Google, Google what Google told Larry, <laughs> sometime next Friday or Saturday, those eggs will hatch and the little turtles will come out. If anybody can take pictures, if you're around, you see it happen, take pictures. If you want to stand guard as the little turtles try to make their way to the water um, and don't get picked off by gulls, that's also helpful. But it, pictures would be great because we can post them on our Facebook page and our web page because this is a sign of God's life and creation that we should celebrate. Um, any other announcements for the good of the family today? Oh, good, because I was going to call you up anyway. Good morning, everyone. Next Sunday is the 19th, and it is our monthly uh, cover dish. So I will be sending around the forms, and it has your name, what you'd like to bring, so we have an idea of what we're serving. The church picks up the, the drinks and the paper products, and it's a lot of fun. We had 42 people that came last time, and it was very nice. And my husband and I hopefully will supply music again. <laughs> so I'll put these down both sides of the aisle. Um, also, 
the community sale, which is next Saturday. If you can't attend, or you have nothing that you can donate, but you can donate finances if you choose to. Just put it in an envelope and mark it community sale. Um, also, there will be the blankets that we did in February. I have more that will be sold at the yard sale, or if you'd like one and you can't make the yard sale, see me, and I will get you one. Thank you. Okay, okay. you're gonna do Noisy Can? Well, we're not calling it Noisy Can, because I'll explain that, okay? But you're my token child today. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Go on, kick your feet. Kick, kick your feet like a kid. Come on, come on, that made it so good the last time. You can start this. No, this is all right. Now, is that is that neat? These little little barn. These were given out by the group that does good gifts, ELCA Good Gifts. I believe over three years ago, were part of their program, and they were that what they are is these little barns that you could put your change in at the end of the season. You would bring that in, and that would go to help the different things that the good gifts do such as buying chickens for a farm in Peru, buying a goat for a farm in Argentina, buying a portable toilet for a, a community in Africa. It was these helping out people who needed help. And, so, and we've done these good gifts with our kids and our grandkids. We've given them these little cards that say, in your name, a sheep or a goat or a chicken, or my son-in-law, we bought a, a portable toilet for a, for a community one time. He was actually very touched. But I thought they were cute, these little banks. So I grabbed one when, my, when Marjorie was down in Palm Harbor. I grabbed one and I said, this is so much nicer than the dirty coffee can that sits on the dresser for the loose change. Now, the reason I tell all that story, this is Lent. And there are certain Lenten disciplines that the church has done for years. And one of them is the giving of alms. Now, what is the difference between the giving of alms and offering? Anybody out there? Oh, all children today. Okay, our offerings, we put them in the plates there as we come in, and those are, the, those are monies that we are purposely setting aside a percentage for this church so this church can do our ministry, so we can support this church and also do the ministry that goes out into the world. Very important. Alms are on top of that. Alms are traditionally the, the small bills and the small change that you might give to a person who's standing on a street corner with a cup shaking up, okay? It is, we, during Lent, it's a reminder that everybody has needs and that we will give out of our excess, from our generosity, out of those things like the handful of change that we really don't need because it goes and fills up this cute little bank. So this thing is getting so full that it's, it's starting to break apart. So this week, and since it's supposed to be alms anyway, that's what the intention of this was. So for three years, I've been sticking my alms aside. And I'd recently said to Marjorie, you know, we need to do that. Things getting so full, it's going to break apart. It almost broke apart this morning. Well, this week, we got a call. What was our, the call this week we got? 
we got, we got an invitation. We got a calling from God through our friend Angel, which for what? For support. For support. They're trying to get bus passes for the, the outreach center so they can provide people with a way of getting around sometimes to get to the doctor or to get to a place where they're doing a medical uh, fair where they can get health care. They have to get there and bus passes, quite often people don't have money, so we're going to provide bus passes. They could even use it to come and to the that's right, they can use it to come to the food pantry. So I've heard about the noisy cans. Look, they already got, they were empty when I came up here. Look at that. They already got, look at that. This is me. And I figured this would be a great time for this week and next week that as a Lenten discipline, we can give alms. And this money, 100%, will go to help those of our neighbors who are hurting, who, 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 who can't afford cars and oftentimes can't even afford bus fare. So this center is going to buy a bunch of bus passes, day bus passes, that they can give out as necessary. And this is a wonderful ministry, and it's a great way to give alms. So my alms. Uh-oh. Oh, no! Okay. I can start over now. And this week and next week, we all get an opportunity to give alms. So you pass them down that side, I'll pass them down this side. And I was told that these, I'm not going to call them noisy cans because we use noisy cans to help do maintenance issues around here like an air conditioner goes or a, uh, last time it was a, a uh, backflow pipe needed to go. So these are alms cans today. So alms and pass them around. And uh, when we count, we keep those separate, right? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Oh, come on. <laughs> you remember we gave out invitations for uh, Christmas? Easter. Well, this says Easter. We gave them out for Christmas. We've been doing it for a couple of years, inviting people to come to church on, on Christmas Eve. Well, it's such a good idea that Barbara has decided to make some up. So you have invitations that you can get as many as you need, and you can invite neighbors and friends and family, because who knows, maybe when a person comes on Easter for the first time, they'll hear the Spirit, and they'll want to keep coming back. So... Here's a good opportunity to reach out. This is easy evangelism. Okay. With that, I think we should start our worship, right? I invite those who are able to stand. Blessed by the Holy Trinity, one God, who journeys with us these 40 days and sustains us with the gift of grace, let us acknowledge before God and one another our need for repentance and God's mercy. Holy God, we confess to you our faults and failings. Too often we neglect and do not trust your holy word. 
we take for ourselves, giving to others. We spoil rather than steward your creation. We cause hurt to call us to heal. We choose fear over compassion. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us as we seek to follow you in your way of life. Amen. Hear the good news. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all may receive life. This promise is for you and you and you and everyone out there. God embraces you with divine mercy, forgives you in Christ's name, and revives you in the Spirit's power. Amen. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Please join me in praying the prayer of the day. Merciful God, the fountain of living water, you quench our thirst and wash away our sin. Give us this water always. Bring us to drink from the well that flows with the beauty of your truth through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Please be seated. A reading from Exodus. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Orb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that people may drink. Moses did so in sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. Let's read responsively Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving. Praise God, shout to the Lord with songs. For you, Lord, are a great God. And a great ruler of all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The sea is yours, for you made it. And your hands are folded with dry hands. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Harden not your hearts. There your ancestors tested me. Forty years I loathed the generation, saying, They shall never come to my rest. A reading from Romans. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and the hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we are still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we'll be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to John, the fourth chapter. This is kind of long. I'll invite you to sit down. I mean, (laughs) Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, asked a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you... If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming back here to draw water. Jesus said to her, well, go and call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, 
I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for thus salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father speaks, seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, who's called the Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said to him, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete the work. Do you not say four months more and then the, comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving his wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper might rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and have, you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city came, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to them, they asked of him to stay with them, but he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the savior of our word, the gospel of our Lord. Now before I get to the woman at the well, because this is such a rich text, I wanna first talk about the very beginning of what we heard from Paul's letter to the Romans there, that whole idea of being justified by the grace of God through the faith in our lives. It's not what we do, it's what God has done through Christ for us. This, this idea of this grace from God through Christ and then being able to live in faith is the very centerpiece, the very foundation of what you would call Lutheran theology. It was when Martin Luther, while he was hiding from the trouble that he had begun by questioning the church of the day and was taking the time to translate the Bible, the New Testament, into German 
so it could be accessible to the people. He was translating it from Greek even instead of from Latin. He was, and when he got to these words about the justified by the grace of God, his eyes were open and it inspired him even further to go on. It is the centerpiece of Lutheran theology, as I've said. In essence, you don't have to do anything in order to be saved. Your salvation is assured to you because of what God has done through Christ. Let me repeat that. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say you accept it. You don't have to talk about being born again. It's already been done for you. And even the faith is a gift from God. And it is in that faith then that we live, trusting that this is the promise of God that we go out and live that gospel. It's a great thing. It's, like I said, it's the center of Lutheran theology. It's also a trap. And it's not a trap because it's not true. It's a trap because it's easy to turn it into a bunch of words and fail to actually live it. Let me explain. As many of you know, I am actually ordained within the United Church of Christ. And because of my journey to this point in my life where I'm serving as a pastor, I had to learn the polity of both the ELCA, polity. It's another one of those big 25 cent words. It is basically the um, theological and organizational structure of how we believe and then how we go about um, organizing our faith, that piece there. Um, the tenets, the creeds, and all those kind of things, the polity of our church. I had to learn the polity of both the Evangelical Lutheran Church as well as the polity of the United Church of Christ. And I remember sitting with one of my colleagues, and she wasn't a minister, she was actually a lawyer by um, profession, but she was very involved in the church, the church she served as a layperson, as well as the church at large, serving both with the, within the, what we would call a synod level, as well as on the national, she was part of the national board of the United Church of Christ. And since I had come from a Lutheran background and she had come from a Baptist background growing up, she was a son or the daughter of a Baptist minister. Does that sound familiar, Joy? Daughter of a Baptist minister? And a lawyer by profession, and I remember turning to her at one of our, our annual gatherings and saying to her as a way of greeting, Beth, the Lutheran in me wants the Baptist in you to be quiet in church. Because she was amening and yes, telling pastor behind me, which I think is a wonderful thing. But those of us who've grown up going to Lutheran churches know that you're supposed to be quiet in church. If you want to say amen, say amen and I'll, you know. Amen. <laughs> but we got into this discussion about UCC polity. I said, you know, one of the problems with UCC polity is we don't have this great central idea that can be said in five words or less. Uh, justify, justification through grace by faith is easy. It's the centerpiece of the Lutheran's theology. 
we don't have that. You know, there, there's a lot of documents, there's a lot of different writings that all come together. She goes, because Jim, she says, it's all based around covenant and you have to experience it. Then you understand it. And that was a very true thing. Now, covenant is different from contract. Covenant, when you make a covenant with com- somebody, you keep your end of the bargain regardless of what the person you made the covenant with. We have a covenant with God. God continues to be our God. Even if we turn away from God, God continues to be our God. Even if we fail to acknowledge the salvation we've received from God through Christ, God continues to provide that salvation. That's the idea of covenant. And it is very true. When you experience it, it all comes together. So while for within the UCC, they have this great shortfall of not having this well-defined central theology, it's also a great blessing because you experience it and it comes to you. Where here in the ELCA, while you have this great central theology, and it's a great tool, if you're not experiencing, if it's just an intellectual exercise, if it's just the words that you repeat, then it's a great shortfall as well. So it works both ways. And I wanted to bring that up today before I got to the woman at the well, because the title of today's sermon is The Woman at Well Reads Paul's Letter to the Romans. Now, it is the middle of the day, it is noon, it is said that in the beginning of this reading. And Jesus comes to the well, and there's a woman there drawing water. Well, right away, that will tell you something. If you're familiar with this custom of having to go to the well and draw your water, when would you go to the well to draw water? Anybody have an idea? When would you go to the well to draw water? The morning, early morning, when it's cool. Before the heat of the day, why do you want to carry a jug with several gallons of water? Water is heavy. Why would you want to carry that in the heat of the day? You would go in the morning. This is where the women from the village would go out to the well with their jugs and they would gather, they would fill their jugs with the water. It was a communal experience. Why do you think this woman didn't go during the morning? because she didn't like the people there, because they didn't like her. They weren't welcoming her. She was kind of an outsider among them. Now, as we also read this letter, read this part, this pericope here of this story of the woman of the well, what came right before it? What was the story we had last week? Nicodemus, a respected member of the Pharisees, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, okay? Well, this already the opposition has been set up. Here's a person who is not just an outsider, not just a, a unclean person because they are a Samaritan. And a woman, which is second class citizen in those days, and it's the middle of the day. So you have this contrast to the respected person as opposed to the less respected person, the middle of the night, high noon, okay? She comes to the well and she has this exchange with Jesus. By the way, it is the longest theological discourse that Jesus has with 
anybody, anybody in all the gospels he has with this woman at the well. Now, there are some other things that we can take out of this story, this reading of this woman at the well. In those days, divorce was very common. A man could tell his wife three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, or could write out a paper, a written divorce, and hand it to a woman, and she was sent on her way. And the children, the house, the bank account, everything stayed with the man, and the woman was forced to make her way again. Now, this was a way that those in, um, in the know at those times could sleep around. In fact, Moses had said, okay, fine, you wanna do this divorce, you're only committing adultery if you remarry a woman that you've already divorced, okay? That was, that was the understanding. Jesus spoke more about divorce than anything of, uh, other thing about human relationship. When it came to a relationship between two people, divorce was a real hot topic for Jesus and he was quite clear on how he felt about the idea of divorce because divorce usually left the woman destitute. Well, this woman has just been married, not just married and divorced one time, she's been married and divorced five times. So there's something that to be said, there was something desire about this woman that men would want to marry her, but there was also a reason that then men would want to divorce her. And in fact, she's given up on getting married anymore, now she's just living with a guy instead of bothering with the whole official part of getting married. She, Jesus tells her everything she's done, and I'm sure the conversation is longer than has been recorded. But there's another clue about this woman in her response to Jesus. I love that line. Hey, buddy, you got no bucket, and this well is deep. This woman, I would think, is sharp. She's smart. She's quick-witted. I don't know many men who really do well handling it when their wife, when their partner is smarter and faster with her tongue than they are. We just don't handle it so well. Women, smart women, often learn early in life to dumb it down a little bit with their partners just to not hurt our fragile male egos. This woman apparently never got the memo. So here she is. What, you, a Jew, is gonna to talk to me, a Samaritan? Come on, you all think we're dirty, okay? She comes right out and says it to Jesus. And yet he says, hey, if you know who it was, it offer you living water. And she goes, I'll take some of that water. That means I don't have to come out here anymore in the middle of the day, the, the object of scorn of all the people. She knows about the Messiah. She says, you know, there's one who's coming who's gonna make everything well. And for the first time in any of the gospels, Jesus identifies himself as he. I am he. Not to Nicodemus, the scholarly respected Pharisee who came in the middle of the night to the semi-fallen woman 
the foreigner, the outsider, the less than, in the middle of the day, for the first time, Jesus identifies who he is, speaks volumes to God's intentions through Christ. The upshoot of this is, at the end of the day, in the end of the reading, it says that many women or many people came to faith because of the testimony of this woman. And I think that's very important as we go out in this world to share the good news. We do not share it from a position of superiority. Well, we have the best religion. We have the only religion. No, we are told, we are taught to share it from a position of vulnerability. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was weak, but now I've been made strong. I was broken, and I've been put back together again because of the gospel of God. This is what she said. This guy told me everything I did wrong in my life. He knew it ahead of time, and yet he still interacted with me. He still offered me up this living water. Part of the center of our faith is not just the knowing about that we've been forgiven by God because of what he, God has done through us through Christ. It is living that, knowing that, experiencing that, and sharing that. We get a chance to remember that every time we come by this font, we can touch the water and we can bless ourselves. We can remind ourselves that we have been forgiven for once and for all in our baptism. Every week when we come up for the meal, we get these very physical reminders of God's forgiveness through Christ. It is because we need that forgiveness in our lives because we constantly fall away from, from God. We constantly think that we can do it on our own. But it is also from this brokenness, from this points of weakness, that we can best share about how each of us in our lives have experienced grace. And it is in knowing that, combining the experience of grace with the knowledge that we are all forgiven is how we spread this good news into this world. Amen.
In Christ you have heard the word of faith, the gospel of salvation. We believe in him and are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Living together in trust and hope, let us join together in confessing our faith as found in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we have those great prayers there, I invite you to take them home. If you have trouble coming up with words, those are great words to have for prayer. But when we gather, we need the, the prayers, I really believe, need to come from our lives right now. So we break these down, joys and concerns. Let's start with joys. Does anybody have a joy that they would like to share? Um, is that you raising your hand? No, that's someone back there. Oh, someone back there. Where I, I see it. My voice is not totally here due to allergies. Sorry about that. A little bit of a background. My daughter and I decided about a month ago that we were going to start taking like one night a month instead of worrying about the house and the bills and the boys who are half grown. We're going to get out and get away. Anyway, we made plans to go to Olive Garden last week for dinner. And I had changed it a little bit because we were going to go to the movies. and. I said, now nah, we'll go get ice cream and listen to music at Sam's. Well, apparently there was a problem here at the church. This is, so I'm like, 
Well, I'm not on council anymore. You know what? If Chris needs my help, I'll go down and help. Charlie's waiting at the door. We go in. It's all dark. Somebody goes, happy birthday surprise. And then somebody else goes, turn the light on. And here's so many people who I absolutely love with my whole heart in this room. Well, you'd think it couldn't get any better, right? Let me tell you. I walk in, and there's my sister-in-law, who's not sneaky at all, Barbara. And there's Chris. And I'm like, I couldn't breathe. What's going on? And I go to walk in the room. I'm like, there's my friend Debbie of almost 50 years. And what I, I'm telling you, talk about being amazed. Barbara says, you aren't going anywhere. Your first gift is right here. And they open the double doors. I'm going to try to do this without getting emotional. I can't. Anyway, inside of there was my son, his wife, his four children, my daughter from Long Island. Now, they all live in New York, Texas, and North Carolina. There are all of them, my daughter, her two daughters, my oldest daughter, her two daughters, and my great-grandson from Long Island. My niece, my goddaughter, and one of my best friends from Pensacola. My niece from Pennsylvania that I haven't seen in about 10 years because she was so sick. Make a long story short, I turn around and there's all these people from my church family that are all standing there. My brother Steve, I was with him the day before. There was nothing. I have never been so amazed and so surprised in my whole life. And I looked at somebody, they said, boy, you got a lot of people that love you. I said, well, if you look around in this room, you're going to see why I do what I do, what helps me keep going on. And this right here, encompassed in this room, is my heart. I wanted to share that with you because you know there's times, and I get them, where you just feel like, what am I doing it for? I'm getting so old, I can't. Then you walk in a room like that, and let me tell you, it's beyond amazing, beyond phenomenal. A couple of the kids even stayed a couple of days. And to everybody here in my church family that knew about this and were doing candies and doing bottles and setting up walls and avoiding me for a couple of days, and I thought I had done something wrong, from the bottom of my heart and soul, thank you so much for making my life so much richer by being a part of it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Yes, Alice. Uh, Joan, oh gosh. That's okay. Uh, um, yeah, Bill and I have a joy. Uh, our son-in-law, Peter, had his final chemotherapy treatment on Friday for his Hodgkin's lymphoma. So far, everything looked good, uh, but we'll know the true test for uh, February. March 20th when he has his pep scan. So keep praying that it'll be clear. It'll be the best birthday present for him. He turns 50 the next day. So let's yeah. hope it's clear. That's a joy and a concern together. And that's so typical. Other, other joys here to share. Pastor, I have one. Um, yesterday, uh, I was invited to go to Temple Terrace uh, to a gathering for the ALOA. For those of you who don't know what ALOA is, it's uh, Adult Lutherans Organized for Action. 
George, if you hear this, I hope I got it right. Uh, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a seminar, if you will. But I got to experience something that you, Pastor, have talked to me about. It was called Walking the Labyrinth. Uh, I hope we can somehow incorporate that here at this church. Uh, it was, I don't want to go on into too much depth, but uh, those of you, uh, if you've ever experienced it, it's a, it's a giant circle, if you will, uh, on, a, on a mat on the floor. And there's only one way in and one way out. And it's a way of meditating. And you, you walk this path, so to speak. And uh, it, was very, it was very moving for me. It was very moving. And I just want to say thank you very much to the church in Temple Terrace for hosting it. They did a wonderful job. And uh, it's an experience that if we ever get to do it here, uh, I, it will be certainly worthwhile. So again, uh, thank you, and again, thank you to the church in Temple Terrace. I'll tag on to that a little bit, Larry. Um, if it, when it comes, um, as many of you know, my wife Marjorie, she's the Lutheran pastor in our relationship. Um, she recently, um, after some medical issues that led to her tripping and falling and shattering her shoulder, which led to more medical issues, um, and now is recovering, recovering well enough that we will be driving up north tomorrow to spend a week visiting children and grandchildren and other siblings. Um, this is one of the things she had contemplated doing in her retirement because you, ministry is not something you necessarily retire from. You, you find different ways to serve. She has a large cloth labyrinth. And one of the things she's talked about is bringing it to churches and offering a workshop. So thanks for the intro. That might be coming here in the future. So I'm not the spirit. She's in tune with the spirit herself. She's in discernment right now. So I'll lift, ask you to lift her in prayers that the spirit speaks to her real soon. So other joys. Yes, Bob, I was going to share it for you if you didn't share it. Tracy is here, Florence's daughter, down here to see me, and she's a doll. <laughs> Any other joys to share? I, I see, oh, back here. Hello, last week I talked about taking my daughter out yard sailing. Well, today I brought her to church. Well, welcome. <laughs> Other joys. Okay. How about concerns now? What are some of the things that we are praying for, we're asking God to intercede into? Do we have any concerns that we, we would like to lift up now? Pastor, I don't want to hog the mic. <clears throat> I have two concerns today. <clears throat> One, our beloved friend Charlie is uh, going to be working with the surgeon tomorrow, and we pray that everything works out for him. Lord, be with him. Lord, touch him. <sighs> be with him. <clears throat> we love you, Charlie. God loves you. Uh, the other concern is... There's a gentleman sitting in our narthex whom uh, 
never wants to come in the sanctuary, but Mike, we know you're out there. <clears throat> and Mike's mom, Maxine, is having issues. Or her, uh, she's, uh, she's slipping a little bit. And Mike, we want you to know that we're praying for you and for Maxine and hope that uh, everything works out in God's plan. And uh, Maxine turned 100 a few months ago. Okay. So, uh, Lord, we just want you to be with Mike and the family. Thank you. Thank you. Any other concerns that we want to lift up? I think it's a, come on up here, Charlie. I think we're going to pray, pray for you right now. These are true prayers of the church. And anybody who wants to come and lay hands on, I invite you to come up and lay hands on. Who has a oil stock candy? Where's Elaine? You have your oil stock candy? Not mine sitting in my office. You have yours, Carl? Oh, good. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up your son, your servant, Charles. It's one of those times where your presence, your spirit, your healing, your wisdom, your grace, your love is so needed. Be with him as he meets with the surgeon. Be with the inspire and touch those, all those medical personnel that they can access all their knowledge. Pour into him a spirit of not only healing, Lord, yes, healing, but also a, heal, a spirit of trust a spirit of hope, and a spirit of faithfulness. Lord, there are times where our resources run out and we can only rely on you. And these are those, one of those times. We ask that you pour an extra measure of love into your son here, that he can come through this so he can continue to serve you all his days. We pray all this trusting and hoping in the goodness of your Son and the love of your Savior and the power of your Spirit. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 That's why I love this family. I'm telling you. I ain't doing all that now. <laughs> It's your line, most important line of the day. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us share a sign of Christ's peace with one another. And don't forget to share that sanitation at the end. So it's just peace. Peace be with you, Bob. I'm saying, oh boy, I'm doing good with names. Tracy, it's so good to see you today. I know this is special for him. I know how special it is.
Amen. This is this we give. This we give back. This is our sacrifice. Thank you. See no lightning bolts. <laughs> ah. Let us pray the offering prayer as one voice. God of good gifts, receive these and all our offerings as we present them in faithful service for the sake of your gospel. Prepare our hearts to receive you in this meal as you pour out your very presence through Christ Jesus, the wellspring of eternal life. Amen. Before I go on, I want to chew in on that little bit of joke there. See, maybe you don't know, Carol grew up Roman Catholic. And when you grow up Roman Catholic, sometimes... The altar itself is so mysterious and frightening. You've been taught to stay away because the lightning may strike if you come up near the altar. And I've been teasing Carol about helping and serving communion. So, oh, no, 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 no. So when she offered to come up and put the offering on the altar, I oh, yeah, I'm going to take my opportunity. And I said to her, see, no lightning strikes. If God lets me behind the altar, he'd surely let you up here. Now... The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our, your, our Savior, Jesus Christ who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
And the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, this, is, this cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for, for forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Amen. Amen. And now let us be so bold as to pray the words as we've been taught by our Savior. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Everyone is welcome. Let me say that everyone is welcomed at this Lord's table. There's no lightning bolts here. Um, you can receive communion in one of three ways. You can come up and put your hand out. You'll be handed a piece of bread, and you can then dip that into either the wine, which is a darker color, or the lighter color, which is grape juice. Either or or neither, God's presence is available in all, is there in all the elements. You can also, if you're still worried about germs, as we should be, there are still um, servings in the back that rather than coming forward, you can go to the back and get them for yourself. Or if you want to receive the bread and the wine uh, from my hand, but you're not able to come up, stay, stay where you're at. When I get near the end, I'll ask if anybody else wants to receive and I will bring the communion to you because it's so wonderful. God, God always comes to us. So please be seated, and we will now distribute.
embodied God. At your table, we've received your grace, signs of your grace, physical presence of your grace. Let us be like that woman on the well who didn't just hear the words, but because of her scorn, because of the fact that she was outcast, she lived the words. Help us to both know the words and live the words and empower us to hear the needs of our neighbors and teach the world about your love. Amen. God, the giver of love, Christ, the resurrection and the life and the Holy Spirit of rebirth, bless you in this Lenten journey. Amen.